This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. The answer, the decade that spawned the greatest game show of all time. What is the 1980s? Once again, it's time for the 80s. An objective defense of the 80s. From a couple of idiots. Welcome back to another episode of The Idiots, an objective defense of 1980s pop culture from a couple of idiot savants. I I think. I think that's I think that's a good thing. My name (laughs) you're pondering it. My name the trivia has started already. My name is Will, and joining me as always is my friend, and he's also my co-host, and his name is Ray. What's up, buddy? How are we doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing well. You got your coffee in today? Yes. I noticed, you know, listening back to the other show, last episode show, I thought, man, I feel, I sound like I'm falling asleep, I think. This sounds, I'm bored. I think if I'm bored listening to us, then it's probably bad for the listener, you know? So, yeah. And it's because, as I say, we were recording late at night, which again, is like, you know, 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. But with the time change, it felt like 10 p.m. And something really weird happened to me when the time change happened. I started falling asleep like at 8 p.m. So it was just very <laughs> confusing. But yeah, so I drank my coffee just starting even a couple of hours ago. I had another cup. I just pounded like a few scoops of ice cream. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. Uh, I played Star Wars Battlefront a few matches because that gets my adrenaline going because I get mad at the 14-year-olds that I'm playing against because, <laughs> you know, when they cheat. Let's see if anyone notices. So unfortunately... Uh, just a few days ago, we lost a legend. Game show host Alex Trebek uh, lost his battle with pancreatic cancer and passed away on November 8th at 80 years of age. And of course, Alex was a big part of us growing up in the 1980s because he hosted the current incarnation of Jeopardy. So today on the show, we're going to be talking about Jeopardy and a little bit about Alex. And at some point, we're going to quiz each other with questions that were featured on the actual TV show about uh, items from the 1980s. That is the plan. Is that what you know? Okay. So, uh, but before we get into that, please like, subscribe, rate, review, comment, visit us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh, do whatever you need to do to be able to enjoy the show and help spread the word because the more the merrier. And we're the, you know, whatever generation, what are we, Generation X? What do they like to call us? We're, yeah, we're, yeah, we're Generation X, the ones who love pop culture. Yeah, exactly. Yes. We are a gregarious generation, so the more the merrier, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And you know what gregarious people enjoy? <laughs> what? Buying new t-shirts. Oh. So please go over to Tee Public and get yourself an 80s t-shirt. Yeah. Did I say gregarious? Gregarious. Gregarious. Wow. See, I don't know which, which one's right. It's gregarious. gregarious. But yeah. the combination of coffee, ice cream, and battle You might have said it right. I might have uh, said it wrong. No, I, I probably said it wrong. All right. Hey. Because I was focused on hawking shit. <laughs> Which, yes, which seems to be working. Okay, hey, let's get caught up on 80s news. So, do you know who, do you remember who Lil Nas X is? Yeah, he's that uh, guy that hangs out with Billy Ray Cyrus. Was it Billy Ray Cyrus that sang on that record of his? Or was it Country Road? Yep. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I, I don't, I don't even remember that. I don't even know that. I don't know that I ever heard that song. I remember you telling really? me about it. That's the number one song of all time. Is that by what standards? What do you mean, like downloads? By the or? the top one hundred chart thingy. It held the number one spot longer than any songs ever held it. Oh boy, how do you not know this? Why do I know this? Because and you don't? I stopped listening to music at about nineteen ninety two. I want to say nineteen ninety three, maybe a couple of a few songs here and there since, but mostly popular music. You know, so no, I don't know that. But <laughs> I like Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah, well, hey, I have no problem with Billy, right? And again, I don't have a problem with, I have a problem saying his name, Lil Nas X. Can't we just say Little? Little Nas X? What does he mean, Lil? Lil. It's confusing there. Okay. In any case, uh, sure, you remember him. And according to Variety Magazine, we learned, and you may have heard it already, folks, out on the internet already, he's got a new track that's coming out. Uh, following up on the the huge success of Old Town Road, he has now parlayed that cowboy angle into a new single and a new video video that has him visiting a western town only to see Santa Claus being ejected from a saloon for being drunk. And much like that Tim Allen movie, uh, The Santa Claus, Lil Nas X now has to take over the role of Santa. That's all we know because there was a teaser clip that was released that uh, showed uh, that much of the video. 
and also had a 1980s connection because this single, Holiday, also includes a brief appearance by Michael J. Fox, apparently reprising his role as Clint Eastwood from Back to the Future Part 3. That's the only reason I'd be interested in this at all is because Michael J. Fox is in it. Yeah, well, part, unfortunately, that's not an 80s tie-in. Oh, shit. Part 3 is in the 90s. Why did you send me this story? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, wait, wait, come on. You're the master of, of working this out. But Back but to the still, Future is a 1980s franchise. Yeah, Back, Back to the Future, because two of the three movies are from there the 80s. Go. So technically, Absolutely. this is an 80s story. Yes. And in the Back to the Future Part 2 is where is the connection to him visiting the Western oh. world in the first place. But, but don't they go back to the 1980s in Part 3? Of course they do. Yes, yeah, that's where Marty's that's, from. That's how it oh, all geez. works out. See, the late nights are affecting you too. You need to have two scoops of ice cream, a cup of yeah. coffee. As he, as <laughs> I got he, my stuff. As he toasts me on uh, virtual uh, on Zoom here. Okay. Hey, speaking of Back to the Future, and in this case, we're talking about Back to the Future too. We learned uh, in People Magazine that Leia, oh, here we go again. Don't tell me, don't tell me. Princess Leia is a very unique name. So everyone else is named Leah. That's, that's what I figured out. This is my little device I use now. Yeah. Princess Leia is unique. Everyone else is Leah. Okay, so Leah Thompson, speaking of uh, Back to the Future 2, Leah Thompson, we learned in People Magazine just this past October, was uh, made sure to leave the set of Back to the Future Part 2 with a very special souvenir. You'd never guess it except for that you probably know it. I do know it, so. You want to say it? You can say it. I want to hear you say it. <laughs> oh, I'll say it like ASMDR. <laughs> Since I had my coffee too. <laughs> she took her prosthetic breasts with her. So if you remember her character, this is a particular incarnation of Lorraine McFly in the alternate uh, reality of uh, 1985. Uh, the reality that was created from what uh, Doc and Marty did in the first film, right? I guess it's the first film. No, no, no. It's in, it's in Back to the Future 2. They change the timeline because they go to the... Biff, Biff gets the sports almanac and changes right. the future and becomes one of the wealthiest men in Hill Valley. Or, uh, right. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Hill Valley. Yeah, that's right. Because Marty brings the... He go, they go to the future, he gets the almanac, brings it back to the past, and then, yeah, that's exactly what you said. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. in this alternate reality, Lorraine is now married, or she's with Biff. I don't know if they're married necessarily, but part of the story that comes out is Biff had her get uh, breast implants. <laughs> Right? Because she says, I got these for you, or something. There's a line <laughs> like that. Uh, well, it turns out uh, Leah Thompson didn't want to leave those behind. She says that uh, when Phil, after the film wrapped, she was, uh, quote, uh, like, I'll take those. Thank you very much. Um, because it turns out, as she points out, um, she was worried that they would fall into the wrong hands because they actually have a cast of her actual breasts inside. Look, there's a lot of creepy folks out there. I could see if this was on mm -hmm. eBay, people would want it for that reason. I don't know what you'd do with it, but well, well, I guess I'd know what creep, some certain creepy people would do with it. <laughs> they'd, they'd figure out something. So, of course, the smart thing to do is be protective of these and just take them with her. Uh, she points out that, um, I imagine, because they're made out of some kind of, you know, uh, silicon or so, something. Yeah. Is that what it is? Some kind of plastic. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming, yeah, silicon. Late latex. Silicon's a, a latex plastic yeah. stuff. This story's funny because she liked her so much that she ran away with them. And uh, Meredith Baxter says she hates her boobs when, from the 80s. I am so confused right now. Wait, are we talking about real boobs or fake boobs? Yeah. Then? She hated her real boobs. <laughs> I haven't used the word crowbar. That phrase crowbar in a while. <laughs> but I feel like doing some crowbar. Like, how? Wait, so both, just, these, both these stories just came out. Oh, they did? Oh, I don't know yeah. them. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know the other one. No, You'll I didn't to... send that one to you, but it actually makes sense to bring it up at the moment. Oh, okay. That, that's why I'm lost. I thought you were just waxing poetic about Meredith Baxter. No, no. no this was actually a news story recently that okay. she complained that it just made her a, an object instead of an actress. Oh, I see. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, which path are we going down here? Let's get back to Leah Thompson. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah boobs. Right. Um, so... <laughs> She ultimately said that, uh, you know, she kept them at home to keep them safe, but they got really smelly, she says, because they were latex and I threw them away. I'm sure there was some garbage man that was just rifling yeah. through garbage and got them anyway. <laughs> Hopefully not. All right. Hey, this is going to seem like a segue. Speaking about breasts from the 1980s, I guess. <laughs> While we're at it. Samantha Fox has announced. Do you remember Samantha Fox? Uh, yeah, she was hot. S -s 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 Samantha Fox. 
So folks remember Samantha Fox, she started as a, I guess she was what, referred to as a, uh, hmm, was it a page? It was a, so it was one of those UK tabloids. So I want to say it was page three page. or page six. We got page six here in the New York. It's either page three, page six, or page nine. It's one of them. <laughs> Pick a page. So in, in, the, in, in, in the UK, they're a little less uh, hung up on, uh, they're a lot less pure, puritanical as far as, you know, the female form and the male form go in Europe. You know, fil- films are a little more uh, risque or they'd be considered more risque by American standards. And then even in newspapers, they have, you know, pictures where they would feature naked, at least partially naked women, including Samantha Fox. And that's how she first made her claim to fame, I believe, in uh, in the 1980s. Ultimately, she had a singing career, too, that was uh, created, produced or by the uh, Full Force guys. Um, and she had some hits with uh, I Want to Have Some Fun and Naughty Girls Need Love, too. Um, so she is still around, very much active, and she just announced to the delight of her fans that, um, and she calls them her foxy army, that she, quote, is so excited to announce that we got a unique retro calendar 2021 in my shop. It includes a lot of your favorite glamour pictures from the early 80s, original newspaper clippings, and exclusive stories behind each photo shoot, end quote. So yeah, hey, if you remember Samantha Fox from the 1980s, and I feel like some of the, I don't look. I'm going to be honest with you, Ray. I'm honest with you all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Some of those photos of Samantha Fox, I feel like helped me become a man in the 1980s. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not being hyperbolic here. No, I think you're. I think you nailed that one. She had this. You know, maybe it was Naughty Girls Need Love too. I was a young DJ. I started out like you know 13 <laughs> or 14 years old. So I had like you know the 12 inch record of that. Oh my god! I just it was like having a poster. You know, it's just mm-hmm. uh, she was a woman. I was just a boy aspiring to be a man. <laughs> so yeah. Hey, if you were like me in the 1980s and <laughs> now I just made myself <laughs> creepy enough to uh, seek out uh, Leah Thompson's prosthetic breasts on eBay. Uh, hey, check out uh, Samantha Fox's 21, uh, 2021 calendar. You'll Google it and you'll find it. They'll find it. You could do that. Support her, of course. Okay. And I saved this story for last because I know you're going to have opinions about it. And I want to hear them. This actually was a story that, well, it's a story that bore, bore, is born out of a, uh, a post on Reddit. Um, look, I'm a middle-aged person nearing 50 years old. I don't know what Reddit is. Whenever I find something on Reddit and I open it on my computer, it's like, do you, you should install the app. Is it, I don't want the app. I don't, so I'm not into it that much. But there are so many different forums on there with you know folks talking about different things and including some things that... Um, like this story where you've got insiders on films mm. leaking stories. And here is the title of this Reddit post. George Lucas wanted Maul as the bad guy of the sequels. So yeah, this post was on Reddit, which I see now has been deleted. And I hope, I don't imagine it was deleted because it's not true. But maybe this guy got in hot water or was concerned folks were on to him. Because what mm. he had posted was a photo of a page from a book that uh, he claims is coming out called the Star Wars Archives 1999 through 2005. And apparently it's a companion to the 1977 through 1983 edition. At around 600 pages long, this book's going to explore every major detail of the films. There's interviews with George Lucas. And one of the things he talks about is what his plans for the sequels were. So we've talked about this a while ago. Mm -hmm. And I thought you might be interested to hear that one thing was he was going to get Darth Maul back to be the bad guy. So he wouldn't have had the Emperor. But maybe more interesting to you was that uh, Lucas said that his uh, sequels were going to, inc- to to feature Leia and Luke uh, heavily in the story, ultimately having uh, Leia rise to power and be the, you know, sort of the uh, leader of the opposition. Yeah, she would yeah. basically be the chosen one. Yes, and that was part of She's, it, right. Yeah. And I, I guess what I wanted to bring this up for in particular was to say that this is different than what we had read about the wills. Now, it seems like Lucas mm-hmm. does go into including the wills in the sequels. It doesn't really explain where or how, but, um, you know, as we understand them, and it says here, they are a, quote, microscopic single-celled life form that's responsible for how uh, the midichlorians can... Ah, it's a bunch of garbage is what it is. I, right? can't, that- I, I can't wait till Lucas gets these things done. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the sound you make when you're not you're not totally satisfied with something. You're just like, hmm. I heard it on last week's show. You're just like, huh. Yeah. Hmm. That one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like this idea of Luke and Leia having, you know, playing a more, a bigger role in the story. That would have been cool because it would have tied everything together. But this, you know, I'm not going to follow you down this Will's path still with this uh, microscopic folks and midichlorians and blah, blah, blah. Hey, I- inner space was cool. That's true. Yeah. And I remember as a kid, I loved the old uh, Fantastic Voyage movie, which is, you know, 
imagine if that's basically what it is with just a I bunch know, of them. That would just be crazy. It's like out of left field. Suddenly Luke and Leia need to shrink down and are they in that no. world? It's a whole set of no. other heroes? A, yeah. You have like, Mark's got, uh, Mark Hamill has indigestion because the little people are all <laughs> messing around in his stomach. Yes. It's going to be amazing. Who goes in the pod? Does someone go in the pod to... Uh... <laughs> it's going to be absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. This well, pandemic screwed with it. It'd already be out probably. They yeah. probably have done with these movies and we don't even know it. Mm. One of the you, other things... You did the noise. <laughs> oh, I did. I did it naturally too. Mm. Uh, one of the other things that comes out in this book is that Lucas clarifies that Greedo always shot first. Of course. No. <laughs> he can say it all he wants. Right. But he wanted Greedo to shoot first. He says, but quote, that's not the way it worked. I agree with you. Lucas says, I never designed Han to be a ruthless killer. All the good guys shoot in self-defense. When I edited the scene in 1977, you couldn't tell who does what. Well, technically, Greedo's there to arrest him, or not arrest him, but bounty hunter yeah. him. So technically, it is self-defense when he shoots him first. Yeah. He says, over my dead body, and Greedo says, that's the idea. Yeah. So technically, that is self-defense. Yeah. In most of the states in America. <laughs> yes. Stand your ground, Han. <laughs> you know, and, and, and he says that uh, something about how everybody who wanted uh, Han to shoot first wanted him to be a, uh, you know, a murderer. Turned out to be a mur- No, we wanted that. We wanted him to be a hero who stood up for himself. Um, technically, every single person on the rebel side is a cold-blooded murderer, having murdered many, many stormtroopers through the, the movie. Yes. Mm. And high-fiving and laughing about it the whole time. <laughs> Woo! So Don't get who cocky! The, who's the cold-blooded killer now? I had friends on that Death Star. Yep. All right. Hey, okay, sure. Well, that was 80s news. Dun, 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 dun. Is the energy up at all in this one? Yeah, you're doing know. good tonight. All right, cool. Now I know the combination. I got to cut the coffee out, I guess, though, and find another sugar, infusion of sugar and caffeine. I'm just going to go straight mm-hmm. to Red Bull or... Uh, Monster energy Monsters. drinks. Yeah, I guess a monster. There's another one too that uh, some of the YouTube channels I. Oh, a bang energy drink. Oh, there's a bunch of them with I dumb names. Advertised. There's even one called Balls. Balls. Does it have yeah. a Z? Is it Balls with a Z? I, <laughs> I hope don't not. remember. I always hate when they spell stuff wrong. But the, then yeah. how could you make it through 80s band names? That's true. You know, this. Uh, a lot of them are spelled incorrectly. You know, I, I considered myself. I don't consider myself. I was a good speller as a child. I think I was in, went to at least one spelling bee even. Now, I wasn't good enough to make it past like the first, you know, few rounds. But, you know, I was good enough to make it out of my school. But I think, I don't know that it, I realized for a long time that uh, Def Leppard was intentionally spelled the way it did. You just thought they were uh, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I just, I didn't really get it. Like, I don't know that I even thought that they meant Def Leppard the way we mean it. They just decided to spell it a different way. I just thought, oh, that must mean something else. It doesn't mean ah. deaf or leopard the way we mean it, because it's spelled so insanely. So cockamamie. Yeah. What other? What are other band names that are spelled terribly? Ah, uh, there's a bunch of them. Off the top of my head, I can't really think of any others other than Deaf Leopard at the moment. But Maybe they're all other. Well, Motley Crue, the way they spell crew with the little umlaut and everything, well, that must yeah. be a foreign spelling of some kind, right? German. Or, no, uh, no. The, the umlauts are very, very popular in uh, '80s music. Queen's right? has them. Yeah. Um, crew, a Motley Crew. You know what a Motley Crew is, but yeah, they just changed the spell spelled that way. Yeah, they just changed it. Yeah, I wasn't sure if so. Maybe the umlaut. It's so funny. Is the umlaut has somehow scarier? It's darker. You get these heavy metal bands using an umlaut. <laughs> well, well, it, it's a it's a German thing. From I took two I years see. of German in high school. So. so what's the connection between German and metal? Oh, there's a lot of great German oh. metal bands like Creator and hmm. bands like that. I think they're German. If they're not there now, once you say once you say something on a podcast, it comes true. Right. Say it twice, and yeah, and they magically mm-hmm. change. Say it three times in the bathroom mirror, and they appear <laughs> at your house. Queensryche, Queensryche, Queensryche. <laughs> I podcast from the bathroom. So yeah, so today on the show we're going to be talking about Jeopardy. So just some facts. So again, unfortunately, we lost the the longtime host. He hosted uh, Jeopardy for thirty seven season. Mister Alec Trebek tragically passed away on November eighth. He had been battling pancreatic cancer for. 18 months, he made it past the year mark, which only 18% of folks battling the type of cancer he had do. He's recorded enough Jeopardy episodes now that even though he's passed away just a week ago, he will still continue to host the show through the end of the year uh, in, in December. 
and maybe folks realize or don't realize this, that the, the version of, uh, of Jeopardy that we, we grew up with as kids actually was born out of the 1980s. Mm-hmm. So there you go. You got another great thing for the 1980s. Further proof that it was the greatest decade for pop culture. Yeah. Now, folks may remember, um, maybe loosely at least, that Jeopardy actually existed prior to that. Uh, it began in the 19, in 1960s originally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was first hosted by someone other than Alex Trebek, because even at that time, he would have been too young to do that. It was hosted first by Art Fleming and uh, was introduced on NBC in March, on, on March 30th of 1964. <laughs> all, them, all them old-timey dudes have great names, man. Art mm. Fleming. Wink Martindale. Yeah, Wink Martindale. <laughs> Those are all great names. Like, you couldn't be a game show host without a great name back then. Yeah. <laughs> So the show was owned by, created by, produced by Mr. Merv Griffin, who was, you know, the, the man behind a number of different things, including a, a talk show or two back in the day, but also a number of, of game shows. I think mm-hmm. Wheel of Fortune is a Merv Griffin production. And uh, yeah. so he's responsible for, for many more things than folks probably even realize or know, but Jeopardy was one of them. And so this show beginning in the 1960s uh, was coming on the heels of the quiz show scandals of the 1950s, which I only know about from the movie Quiz Show. Yeah. yeah, which is a great movie. It is, with uh, Rafe Fiennes. And I, I think that is that is based on a true story. Yeah. And so the gist of it is someone was given the answers to the questions, and so they could, you know, just tear through the show and looking like a real champion, you know? And Yeah, yeah, because they didn't want a bunch of losers. They needed to give people <laughs> hope that you could actually win the show. Yeah. So. And so they handpicked, it seems at least according to that film, mm-hmm. someone who they thought was charismatic and, you know, folks would get rally behind. And so they made it look good, you know, kind of like the reality TV shows of today. You know, they're produced to look like, tell a certain story. It's fake. Right. A lot of it's fake. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of those shows are fake, but that doesn't mean I don't love Jersey Shore. <laughs> of course. So according to Smithsonian Magazine, Merv Griffin's wife came up with this idea of combating the scandal associated with these quiz shows. Hmm. So these quiz shows, again, folks were given the answers to the questions. So what she said was, hey, why don't we instead, because, you know, game shows have a bad name now, yeah. why don't in your show, Merv, Jeopardy, you give folks the answer right up front. That's the whole show. We're going to give you the answer. And they have to come up with a question. <laughs> yeah. So this, of course, led to the ultimate thing that's associated with Jeopardy probably is phrasing your your response in the, I can't say answer because it's not the answer, your response in the form of a question. Yeah, and I've seen people get uh, no points because yeah. they forgot to say what is or yeah. who is. Yeah. You got the condescending look. Right. <laughs> so the, the show, you know, as so I told you, it was born out in the 1960s and it became a success for a little bit. But mm-hmm. by 1973, because its schedule had been changed a number of times, the ratings went down and the show was canceled by 1975. Then, a few years later, Merv brought it back. But once again, it faced uh, competition for ratings, which went down, and the show got canceled again. Then, cut to uh, show creator Merv Griffin sold the rights to King World Productions in 1983 because these old shows now had been running in syndication, and so Jeopardy! had become popular. Yeah. So he was able to sell it, and it was at that time that Alex Trebek took over from Art Fleming as the host. And it starts, uh, it premieres in 1984. Now we've got some updated technology. We've actually got digital screens with the questions and answers on them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it becomes very popular. And of course, that's the show that uh, you and I know from the 1980s. I don't remember when I first saw it, but it was certainly as a kid. Oh, yeah. It wasn't one of the shows that would be on when we were sick, right? Because that was Price, of, Price is Right you'd watch. No, nah, and- no. This was on the, the evening. It was always on, as far as you remember. Because you had Wheel of Fortune. Right. Which made you feel super smart. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had Jeopardy to bring you back down to reality. <laughs> yes. Because everyone in the house would scream the answers at the TV and no one was right most yeah. of the time. <laughs> Except if it went, you always hope when it was like teen Jeopardy, then you were a genius <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah. So it becomes popular and so popular that Alex himself becomes, you know, he's a character. He becomes an icon. So much so that he's featured on a number of shows playing himself as the host of Jeopardy or playing himself in some capacity. Dozens of shows including three in the 1980s. He appeared on Mama's Family, an episode where Mama competes on Jeopardy. He appeared on Four Keeps and appeared in 1988's Rain Man. You know, it's one of the shows that uh, Raymond watched. 
And I'm going to say this is, as honorable mention 80s show, my favorite Alex Trebek appearance as himself was when he appeared on Cheers as the host of Jeopardy when Cliff Clavin was uh, a contestant. That's a good one. All the categories he gets are related to something Cliff will know about, yeah. including postage stamps and celibacy. <laughs> yeah. He gets the final Jeopardy with like $22,000, bets it all and doesn't know the answer and loses everything. All right, hey, mm-hmm. why don't we ask each other some Jeopardy questions? Now, these are, so Ray and I visited a website, and we could share it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. There was uh, some entrepreneuring uh, folks took it upon themselves to create a database of every question ever asked on Jeopardy, Yep, you know, since its most recent run. So the from the, what we're talking about, from 84 till today. And it's searchable. So we searched it by 1980s, and that led to, I don't know, Hundreds of questions that were somehow related to yeah. the 1980s? Yeah, there's a lot of them. So I got a bunch of questions here. You got a bunch of questions. Maybe we could just- All right. Here's what I did. Okay. I just winged through it, yeah. randomly selecting questions. And then I said, wouldn't it be fun yeah. if I went back to 1984 to the first episode oh. and wrote down the first 10 questions asked on Jeopardy? Okay. So they're not necessarily related to the 80s, but they were asked in the 80s. I am going to ask you the first- 10 questions that Alex Trebek asked the first time he was on the show. I got to tell you, I'm terrible at Jeopardy, but okay. All right. I, I think you'll be surprised. So do I get to ask you my questions? My questions yes. are probably going to be yes. easier then. We're going to alternate questions. Okay. Very good. All right. Fire away. Let's let's start embarrassing me right away. All right. This is from the animals category and it's for $100. Animals. These rodents first got to America by stowing away on ships. Okay. I guess rats. Oh, you wow. didn't oh sorry. What it? what is rat? What are rats? Uh, you have won a hundred dollars. And I wish I, I I wish I had thought this through better so I could. <laughs> I have all the dollar figures yeah. here, but um, I should have probably done it in order because I could keep track of how much money you win. I'll do it anyway, just for fun. Well, I did them in the order they were selected by the contestants. Oh, okay, that's cool. I went back and watched this first episode just to get these ten questions. Oh, you did. <laughs> You could have used that database I sent you. Well, it wasn't it, it wasn't there in order for me, so I had to go find it. The database is actually pretty cool, though, because you could go to a certain episode and it brings up the screen as it would have been shown in Jeopardy yeah, with yeah, all the squares. Yeah, yeah it was that, that website's actually cool. Okay, I've got a question for you. All right, all right this category is called Play Ball, Ooh. and it's worth sixteen hundred dollars. So I guess it was a double Jeopardy Holy question. Crap! For you, I think it should be worth a lot less because I think you'll know it no problem. The game winning one of these was an official batting statistic in the 1980s. And Keith Hernandez is the all-time leader. Hmm. It's an official batting statistic, I guess, introduced in the 1980s. A game-winning statistic? Game, yeah, the game-winning of winning one of these. Oh, okay. The game-winning one of this statistic was introduced in the 1980s. I'm going to say RBI? Yes, that's right! Woohoo! 1,600. Crushing me. Nice. Yeah. All right. Here we go. And they stuck with animals for $200. Okay. There are about 40,000 muscles and tendons in this part of an elephant's body. Wow. 40,000? Yep. Holy cow. Up oh, trunk. It's got to be the trunk. You are correct. All you right. Got, you're, you are now up to $300. Wow. Look at me pulling ahead. Okay. This is called, this category is called the kid in quotes, if you remember what that means on Jeopardy. The kid stays in. For $400, these popular 1980s toys were born in Cleveland, Georgia. That is the Cabbage Patch Kids. That's right! $400. Yes. All right, you're nice. $2,000 already, man. Shoot. Woohoo. All right, now the next contestant got saucy and switched over to actors mm. and roles. Forest Bounce. For $100. Video in which Michael Jackson plays a werewolf and a zombie. <laughs> Come on. Well, you know, back then it might have been, I guess that might have been hard. We didn't have the hindsight of. It's only worth $100. Okay. Thriller, of course. Of course. So you're up to 400 All right. 1980s cinema for 400 This was a daily double. So should I let you bet as much money as you want? Well, how much do I have? You have $2,000. <laughs> I will bet 1000 Okay. So that means you what? Win 1000 it's like a one for one thing. Bet it's a thousand, uh, a thousand. Double. It's double. It, it, yeah. Yeah. I get, if I bet a thousand, I get 2,000. get 2,000 back. But it didn't cost you a thousand to bet. So I just add 2,000 to your. Once I get it right. Okay. If I'm wrong, right. I think I, I think I, think I, get I it right. only lose a thousand. Okay. For the funeral scene 
Oh, but it's a $400 daily double. Does that mean you can only bet 800 is the max? Okay. All right, fine. For the funeral scene in this 1982 biopic, the production company placed ads for 400,000 extras in Delhi newspapers. Delhi, D-E-L-H-I newspapers. Hmm. So we're looking for a movie? Yeah, 1982 biopic. Biopic? What the, what the hell's a biopic? Is that like, like a real life story thing? Yes, it's, yeah, but actors play the real people. Uh, Gandhi? Yes, Gandhi! Hey. All right, so 800 <laughs> So you're up to $2,800. I'm sure we're doing all these rules all wrong. <laughs> we, I don't care. So they were feeling saucy, so they stuck with actors and roles for question number four. Okay. Saturday night alumni who tried trading places. Come on. Wait a second. There's two in there, though. Yeah, you have to name the two actors. Oh, from oh, 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 okay. Eddie Murphy and uh, Dan Eckert, of course. Yep. That's that's $200 more. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I didn't think this through. You know, I would have chosen, I would have given you lower value ones, I guess. No, I wouldn't. That's all right. It doesn't matter. It's just for fun. Um, all right, here you go. This one is called Car Talk. That's the category for $1,000. Mm. I think all mine are double Jeopardy questions. Yeah, you were reaching for the stars on yours. <laughs> Introduced in the 1980s, this Ferrari model has a name that means redhead. Ferrari, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's not ringing a bell, but I'm going to go with... Uh, yeah. I'm not a big car guy. Oh, okay. Oh, well. We found the limits of his knowledge, folks. Ferrari in the 80s? I think Don Johnson, uh, I think Crockett had one of these at one point, didn't he? The only thing that pops in my head is Testarossa. That's right! Testarossa! (laughs) Of course, that's why it popped in your head. It's like the only car that folks know. Yeah. Did Crockett have one of those? (laughs) Probably. He had had two different cars. Yeah, somebody had one in the 80s for sure. First season was different than the second season. Hmm. Maybe I'm thinking about that episode of Misfits of Science where they did that uh, parody of it. (laughs) That could be it. Question number five. I mean, answer number five or however this works. Yeah. We're still on actors and roles because now they're feeling good about themselves. Okay. He may never say never again Mm. when asked to be Bond. (laughs) I guess he did. He did say never after that. And this gentleman we just lost, Mr. Sean Connery. That is correct. Oh boy. Yeah, that's another, you know, look, we lost we locked two giants this in just a week here. Like I said a week or so ago, we're losing all, you know, folks that we grew up uh, loving as kids. It's really quite yeah. a bummer. All right, so your question number five. Let's see if I can find a different kind. I'm, uh, see, I'm, I'm actually looking at the categories. I'm trying to make sure I spread out the categories so there are different types of things to ask you. Okay, here's one. Now, this is a, I think this is a hard one, but it's, it's only worth 200 bucks, so maybe it's not that hard. This is, oh, okay, well, here's the clue. The category is D, in quotes, divide, right. divide. Okay, for 200 bucks, it says, hot dog. In the 1980s, the mustard market splintered into three types, yellow, spicy brown, and this one, like Grey Poupon. Dijon. Dijon is right for 200 yeah. bucks. <laughs> nice. Okay, so let's just pause for a moment. I want to tell you a story about the power of Jeopardy from the 1980s. And we learned about this, or most folks learned about this, or reminded about this, I suppose, in a more recent Jeopardy championship. You've got a lot of folks that are heroes on Jeopardy. You know the name Ken Jennings, right? Yeah, even I know that one. I mean, Ken Jennings was a champion for some 75 episodes in a row in 2004. I think he's the most winningest. He won over $2 million dollars. He's a hero. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, though, is a gentleman named Arthur Chu. You probably never heard of Arthur Chu, but Arthur Chu is hated by Jeopardy fans. (laughs) Arthur Chu competed in 2014, and he was hated because of the style, his playing style that he adopted. What he would do is he would go for big dollar amounts, and he wouldn't start at 200 or 100 to work his way down like a lot of folks do. No, he would go for big amounts at the bottom, trying to find a daily double, and he would leap from one category to the next. Mm. So he would go from postage stamps to celibacy. He had no respect for the game. And folks hated this. It was hard <laughs> to follow. Alex Trebek said he didn't like it. In his defense, Arthur Chu said, look, I'm, I'm playing the game. You know, I'm being strategic. I'm being pragmatic and trying to win. One of the things he, he also did was, that again, enraged fans, was he would interrupt Alex just so he could get to the next question 
because he didn't want to leave any money on the table by that commercial break. Now I'm going to go back and have to find these things because I want to see this guy. Yeah. I want to see him work his magic. Well, it turns out that this style of playing is actually well known among uh, Jeopardy c- contestants and fans and champions. And it is known incorrectly as the Forest Bounce. And it's so named after a gentleman named Chuck Forrest, who was the second ever Jeopardy uh, champion, having won his uh, Jeopardy contest back in 1985. Now, typically folks go from top to bottom, but Forrest had a different technique. And it was actually not created by Chuck Forrest, the champion of Jeopardy. It was created by his friend, Don Rubin. So their story starts Hmm. back in uh, 1985. They're at law school together. It's Rubin, Forrest, and another classmate, Dave Abrams. Jeopardy now is becoming popular. It's been on the air for a little while. And it's it's uh, being advertised that it's coming to Detroit where they're at and they're going to look for contestants. So the three of them say, hey, we should try. Two of them decide to, Abrams and Forrest. Ruben says he doesn't want to try. So instead, Ruben's, Ruben helps the others study for this. And part of hmm. the training that he does is he stands between them and his shoulders become the buzzers. So whichever hits him first gets the, gets the question. But um, after a while, what he suggests to them is because he studied psychology in college and he was also a sports fanatic, he said, you know what you need to do? You need to bounce around because folks' memory is like filing cabinets. So when they see the one category and you ask that question, they're now looking through those files, right? Ready with any answer related to postage stamps. So when you pick celibacy and you know you're going to celibacy, you're already accessing those files where other folks are scrambling to get caught up, Mm -hmm. you know? You keep your edge. You get your edge. Yeah. And it's that little kind of, you know, millisecond of edge that really gives them a chance when you're playing against other geniuses, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so Ruben helped his, his uh, two buddies practice to get on the show. They scrawl out a contract on notebook paper that if Forrest makes it to Jeopardy, he'll give Ruben one half of 1% of his winnings. <laughs> that summer, Ruben goes backpacking in Europe. When his dad picks him up from the airport, he has news. Ruben had won, Ruben, his friend that was backpacking, $364 from Forrest. So he did the math and he realized that means that Forrest won $72,800 on Jeopardy. Yeah. At the time, that was the biggest win yet. Players were also limited to, to five days. So you could only, you had a, right. after one week, you weren't the uh, champion anymore. So Ruben didn't collect his winnings right away. Eventually, Ruben says they had a party and Forrest eventually, or fi- Forrest finally paid him in $364 in pennies. <laughs> That's awesome. So even though it's called the Forest Bounce, it's really created by Don Rubin. Forrest is kind enough to remind folks it's really Rubin who created this. In fact, even in his book, The Secrets of Jeopardy Champions, he makes sure they know folks know that Rubin pioneered the bounce, uh, not uh, Chuck Forrest. Um, to, for his part, Rubin also is quick to remind folks that he should have credit for it as well. But he says he's happy because he did, in fact, get his $364. <laughs> All right. So look, another thing that's being used today by folks who are winning millions of dollars was pioneered in the 1980s. Yeah. Okay. So back to the questions. All right. You're up to $4,000 now. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. You're at 1200 <laughs> I think this right. fixes in. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Crushing me. Um, question number six. Yeah. St- we're on actors and roles for 400 Okay. The blonde... Preferred in the film, gentlemen prefer blondes. Marilyn Monroe. That is correct. Great. Now I'm up to what? 1,400. <laughs> Six, 1,600. Oh, 1,600. Yeah. Next to your four grand. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Yeah. This category is called The Honey Ooh. for $400. In the 1980s, Kellogg's Sugar These were renamed Honey These. I love this cereal. Oh. When I was a kid. So it's it's sugar smacks and honey smacks? Right, yes. Yeah. Smacks is what we're looking for. <laughs> 400 bucks. I loved sugar smacks. That's a good cereal. I don't, do they sell those anymore? I don't know if they sell anything with sugar in it anymore oh in a cereal. God, they definitely do. I just had my daughter, you know, we don't we don't usually have very sugary cereals. We'll get one every now and then. But Halloween, we got to get Count Chocula. <laughs> oh, yeah. And when they ran out of Count Chocula this year, we got my lesser favorite, Frankenberry. Mm. which is the straw. It tastes like strawberry quick kind of, which is all right. Yeah, it was fine. But, um, so they do sell sugary cereals. I almost think that 
Sugar Smacks, you know, it says Sugar Smacks and they changed the name obviously because having the name Sugar wasn't helping sell it, I guess, at that point when folks got more health conscious. Mm -hmm. But it tasted kind of like a healthy sweet cereal. It was super sweet, but it did have some kind of grainy corniness to it that seemed, I don't know. Well, what marketing genius was (laughs) not capable of coming up with Healthy Smacks? (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh my! They would have sold that thing like all day long in the 80s. We can make a knockoff of it right now (laughs) and do that. I got to investigate some patents and trademarks tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Where where, where are we at? Uh, Question seven. This is a tough one. All right. This is the one that's going to stump you. Mm, Okay. We need a challenge. This is actors and roles for $500. All right. Sam Shepard played this barrier breaker in The Right Stuff. Um, Chuck Yeager. That is correct. Yes. Oh, I loved Chuck Yeager when I was a kid. <laughs> I figured you did. I mentioned, I mentioned him on the show last week when we were talking about yeah. the moon landing being fake. Yeah. That dude was a maniac. Yeah, he is. Like, you need something tested? Yeah, strap me in there. I'll do it. I'll do anything. I forgot Sam, Shep- Sam Shepard played him. Yeah, Chuck Yeager's like that guy. They're like, we're going to test some like uh, animal fat on you to see what it does to you. <laughs> in zero gravity. Yeah. This is, all right, I'll give you a hard one. This is, I think this is, this is a genuinely hard one, but you're okay. so far ahead. And this one's yeah. worth 2000 right. Okay. The category is called From the Greek. Okay. And the, and the uh, answer is, oh my God, one of the top names for girls in the 1980s, it's from the Greek, oh, here we go, Theophania, which means manifestation of God. Theophania. Popular name in the 1980s. The girls. I'm torn, but I'm going to go with Heather. Oh, that's not a bad guess. The answer is Tiffany. Uh, I was going to go with Teresa. That would have been close too. No, so I subtract. I just realized, should I subtract $2,000 from you? Yeah, you got to just right. subtract 2000 Now you're down to 2400 Oh, no. Because I didn't have to buzz in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in one of these articles talking about the difference between Jeopardy in the 80s versus today, this guy pointed out that People just buzzed in all the time, even if they didn't know the answer. You can, you can see their hands on the clickers yeah. going while Alex is talking. Oh, yeah. You can just see them just clicking like, I'll just guess yeah. if, they, if he doesn't even finish the question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. We're at number eight, Will. Animals for 300. Oh, back. Okay. When husbands pop for an ermine coat, they're actually buying this fur. Mink? Oh, no, no. Oh, no, oh, no it's fox. Oh, no, so it's close. it's a uh, rat. Back to rat again. It, it's weasel. Oh man, ermines. When a weasel uh, eventually, when it gets cold out, they turn white. Oh, and they become an ermine. Oh, I have no idea. See, see, you're saying it I as had, if I, you. I had, no, only because I watched it. I watched it, and Alex said the same thing in the same kind of condescending way oh. to the contestants. <laughs> oh, and they did. The contestant did guess mink. Is that right? Yeah. And, and then the other two stood there with their mouths hanging open and uh, just waited for him to tell him what it was. That's funny. Yeah, he did have a great delivery like that. And Oh, my God. It's so good. I really don't know. Like, I know, obviously, he had the answers given to him. And he may have known the answers before they even asked the questions. Maybe in part of the prep or whatever, he had the answers, you know. But he seemed like a super bright guy, too. I would imagine, I don't know how well he would have done as a contestant, but he seemed like he was a very smart guy. Well, uh, this is what I think. He had all the answers ahead of time, and he took enough time ahead to know what he was supposed to say and why he was supposed to say it, like an actor will with their lines, and delivered them perfectly as if he was the smartest man on earth. (laughs) And that's what made him the greatest host for that show. Because he said it in a way like, how do you not know this? Yeah. How do you not know that a weasel turns white in the middle of winter and becomes an ermine? <laughs> but, you know, and like you said, is it a condescending way? But not so condescending that you didn't tune back in. Yeah. You know, like you That's said, funny. we felt like dummies for watching it often, but you kept watching. Yep. All right, here's your question. Oh, we're going to go to books. The category is Hugo hmm. Award-winning novels. You can redeem <sighs> yourself and get right back in the lead here. You're in the, ready in the lead, I think. For $1,600. And I know you read books. You like to read. I've seen him. Certainly in the 1980s, even. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've seen the movie adaptations. <laughs> no, he really reads. This author won twice in a row in the 1980s for Speaker for the Dead and Ender's Game. Shit. You read Ender's Game, right? No. Oh, I thought you did. Uh-uh. Oh, shoot. I thought that was going to be a no-brainer for you. Ugh. Um, 
Now, let me think. Yeah. Using my vast array of bullshit knowledge. <laughs> That's like the equivalent of Sherlock's mind palace. <laughs> uh, I should know this. I thought you did. Now I feel bad because I'm going to have to take 1600 away from you. Now you're going to be in the, okay. you need to be behind. Well, let me throw a guess out okay. there then. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to go Clive Barker. Oh. I have no idea. Orson Scott Card. Mm. Dang, I'm surprised you didn't know that. I thought for when sure you would have known that one. All right. No. All right, you're down to 800 now. I didn't read a lot of sci-fi in the Dang 80s. It. I read what? a lot of uh, Stephen King. I liked him in the 80s. See, I thought maybe, I know you read a lot of fantasy novels, but like maybe that was mm -hmm. after then? Uh, yeah, Dragonlance. I read a lot of fantasy stuff back then. I thought maybe that would, would have crossed your path. Not a big sci-fi reader guy. I like the movies better than the books. I could see that. I like Jules. I like Jules Verne stuff, though. Yeah. Um, we're on question nine already. Okay. Uh, we're back to animals again. Wow. These folks love their animals. Well, they saw, they you know, do. a mix of easier questions and hard questions. For $400. Yeah. Close relative of the pig, though its name means river horse. Um, I got this one right while I was watching the show, by the way. Boar? Does, is a boar a river horse, Will? <laughs> All right. Uh, hippopotamus. Hippopotamus. Okay, there you go. You got it. <laughs> I, I misunderstood the question. <laughs> it's so, the questions are weirded so weirdly on this one. Like, close relative of the pig. Yeah, so, so its name means river horse. I had no idea they were related to the pig. Well, Alex did. <laughs> he knows everything. You know, I don't do trivia well under pressure. I think I've said this before on the show. Mm -hmm. I may know something, but I'm not going to get it out if I have to come up with it right away often. So Jeopardy was like, I could never, I mean, very out shout an answer before the, the person on the TV got it, you know, it's very rare. Mm -hmm. All right. Your question number nine category is Daniel for $800. So you can get your $800 back. Daniel J. Travanti was Captain Frank Farillo on this eighties cop show. Hill Street Blues? Yes! Yeah. We are back to $2,400. All right, you're currently at $2,200. Oh, wow. It became a neck-and-neck -neck race here. This is my last question, right? And it's a $500 animal question. All right. If this species of hybrid's parents were reversed, you'd get a hinny. <laughs> All right, see, like you're saying, and now I've got to dissect this question. If this species of animal's I'm assuming if you changed the, the father and the mother's species to the other one. Wow. That's crazy to even think that. Well, first of all, we're having interspecies uh, mating. I guess that's what a hybrid is. I have no idea. It's a mule. Oh. <laughs> what the hell is a hinny? Now I want to look up what a hinny looks like. <laughs> I don't know. But he was very condescending on this one, too. Now, before we move on to the last question, yeah. I have to point out... That the one guy who was on this show, when they asked him what he does, yeah. he said, I'm an energy demonstrator. <laughs> okay. So you know how they talk to each contestant? Yeah. And they're like talking to him about what they do or what, you know, something that means a lot to them. He pulls out a balloon to demonstrate what an energy demonstrator is. Uh -huh. He blows up the balloon. He goes, okay. And he takes the balloon and he goes, uh, this balloon is uranium and I'm, and, uh, and he's talking about atoms and he twists the balloon and he says, I'm going to shoot it with neutrons and he pulls it apart and he's got the two halves and then he lets him go and he goes, energy. <laughs> <laughs> now, this guy's name was Greg and he won the show oh. on the first one. Guess where he's from? Ohio. Cleveland. He's from Ohio. Uh, <laughs> all right. So what am I at? So maybe I'll ask you a question that will put us tire. Um, all right. Well, let's see. You just lost 500. Oh, snap. All right. There's no way then. So, well, uh, you can, oh, we yeah, could make okay. mine up. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, right. You're, so, let's see. You're at 1,700. All right. So, you're at 2,400. So, let me see if I get like So, you got to find one worth a certain amount. Let's see. Like, what? 800, I guess, would be the one, I guess. Because then you'd either lose to me or you'd definitely easily crush me. Right. All right. So, let's see. The ones that I have left here, I'm like, oh, Ray's going to know all these. You said that about the last question, though. You're right. I, I have had, greater faith in your- no clue. <laughs> I think you're smarter. You know right. what? And actually, trivia has nothing to do with smart. I think you're it more doesn't. knowledgeable that, than, I, than I, you are. But I'm a great bullshit. Yes. I've told you this many times. Yes. I can trick you into thinking I know something oh, we're talking about. All right. I'll give you this one. This one's for $800. All right. The category is the 1980s. Hmm. In 1989, she got jail time. Zsa Zsa Gabor. Damn it! 
<laughs> you deserve extra points. All right. Well, let's see. You've got 20. You, she slapped the cop in Beverly Hills. Yes. Boom. Yes. Yes. Yeah, extra credit. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, you pull ahead to 3,200, easily defeating my measly whatever that was. In fairness, though, these people didn't know how to play the game correctly, and they all went for low totals in the, the first 10 questions. But, man, you, you got eight out of 10 right. Well, and you know, you make a good point because, you know, as we learned talking about the, the, the forest, which is really the Reuben bounce, talking about Arthur Chu and even, uh, was it James Holtzauer? Nowadays, folks use game theory, you know, and have mm -hmm. used it for years to be able to maximize their dollar amounts. Back then, folks were just straight up answering the questions and having fun. Yeah. And, and at one point, um, in final jeopardy on that one, yep. it was, um, the third Monday of January, 1985. So something happened that day? Well, uh, it's Martin Luther King Day. That yeah, was yeah. the answer? That's the, the answer. The one guy answered Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. He's like, I'll accept it. The next woman answered Martin Luther King's birthday. And he goes, yeah, we'll accept that too. Oh. <laughs> and the third guy just wrote Martin Luther King. And they're like, acceptable. <laughs> we know what you meant. And really? That show, and that show was nothing like that <laughs> right. once they get going. Wow. Yeah, that is that is very flexible. So what era of Jeopardy would have been better? Sure, it's lasted whatever, 30 some odd seasons now. But back then, folks were more like going through the categories. It was more, hmm. it was easier for the viewers to enjoy. Now folks are getting more dollars. Sure, champions last longer, but there's less turnaround and more strategizing. Um, we have proven oh, yes. beyond a shadow of a doubt okay. that you could have more fun watching Jeopardy mm. in the 80s than any other decade. Yes. And even as Ray proved, watching an old episode. It was fun, man. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. When he, I'm telling you, when he pulls out that balloon, man, <laughs> you don't see that on Jeopardy no more. No. I don't. Yeah, no. All right. Hey. <laughs> Wait. What, what is? <laughs> we will talk to you next time on The Idiots. See ya.